Welcome to the Sample Chapter Podcast, the show where authors read a sample chapter from one of their books. Here's your host, Jason A. Meiske. Welcome, my friends, to episode 87 of the Sample Chapter Podcast. Hey, this week we're going to be hearing a sample chapter from author C.D. Berenger with his debut crime thriller novel, Palm Beach Blues. It's a lot of fun. We had a great conversation, and I I look forward to more from CD. You are in for a treat, so stay tuned for that. It's going to be coming up here in just a moment. Speaking of first-timers, if this is your first time listening to the show, this is the podcast where authors read a sample chapter from one of their books. Now keep in mind, this is our 87th episode, which means there are well over 80 other authors in our backlist waiting for you to check out and every one of them have read from their amazing books you can go back in on samplechapterpodcast.com any of your podcast players that are out there available or go to youtube and check out all the past episodes they're all there waiting for you coming up we have episode 100 that's going to be here in december i have a lot of big things planned I'm not sure yet if it's going to be just me solo or if I'm going to have a guest. That's another one of the details I'm still working out. But one thing's for sure, there will be some amazing prizes that we're going to be giving out. So make sure you are listening and following us on social media. We are on Facebook and Twitter. And of course, if you're subscribed, then you're going to hear about this every week. And I will keep you updated. But yeah, make sure you're, uh, you're tuning in so that way you don't miss out on how to sign up for those prizes because there's going to be some really great stuff and uh, we got some really special people who've been donating things for our uh, episode 100. That's coming up in December so <laughs> hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out. So my writing this past week has uh, kind of been a little bit, I've had a little bit of an explosion in writing. It's been a lot of fun. If you do follow us on social media you saw I did share a picture of the uh, the writing tool that I got, the little bluetooth keyboard and it connects to my phone i don't have a an ipad or something yet but right now i'm using my using it with my phone and and uh it's amazing how much faster i can type with my you know my whole hand as opposed to just my thumbs if i'm on there uh but uh, like i said that keyboard is really really cool being able to punch out the words a little bit faster and the scrivener app i have on my phone loads much faster than what my laptop does or, or on here on my desktop where I'm recording this right now. And that's been something that I've really found a lot of benefit in is shaving some minutes off, shaving some time. Been a real boon for my writing numbers here lately. I'm averaging five, 600 a day and it's been a lot of fun. I'm really getting somewhere with my new story. Uh, well, this will be my third book. Still doing a little editing on my second book. I'm hoping that will come out next month. But as far as writing goes, I'm having a lot of fun with it. I am signed up for NaNoWriMo this year because I do plan on jumping on and doing that starting November 1st. I'm going to start writing my fourth book because I'm going to try really hard to get this third book written, or at least the rough draft, done in time so that I can start on November 1st with a new book. Now, the new book will be... All right, so <laughs> let me back up a little bit. So I have my second book is a standalone story called A Novel Idea. And that one is done. I finished it earlier this year. 
uh, sitting in the theater <laughs> waiting on Avengers to start. And I'm on my phone with the Scrivener app and I finished the book there. The book I'm writing right now is uh, tentatively called um, The Bandit or The Bandit Chronicles. Uh, this will be book one of a series and that one it's an 80s alien adventure. I'm going through that one and what I'm planning to do is coming in November I'm gonna for NaNoWriMo I'm gonna write book two and we'll see how that goes. I may try uh, although I would love to put the first book out I may try this um, rapid release thing and maybe uh, so I might bank a couple of books and then try that out whenever uh, whenever I get a few of them together and then I'll start putting them out in rapid succession um, we'll see if I can actually hold out that long <laughs> but anyway yeah if you are if you're somebody who's also going to be doing NaNoWriMo by all means hit me up on uh, on the website just look for me Jason A. Meiske it is M-E-U-S-C-H-K-E and send me a friend request. I'll be happy to uh, to send uh, you know, to accept you, and uh, we can kind of coax each other along. You'll know it's me because I've got my website for my personal author website on there and this show both in my uh, bio. Anyway, but uh, yeah, speaking of writing tools, I've already talked about Scrivener twice, and uh, they are a sponsor of this show. I'm totally thrilled to have them on board. I'm just really really happy they're such a great company and I just love that tool I mean I just can't talk about it enough you know like I said I have Scrivener for my desktop I have it for my laptop and I have the app for my phone all of my research I'm looking for I did have a hiccup I I removed a bunch of stuff here recently removed eight chapters because I realized that was all backstory that doesn't need to be in there it's not a part of the actual story and you know what's cool is I pulled it out and all of the research I had it tied in with that went away too for some reason it's not supposed to happen like that but it all went away and I got it back because it was all tied in there together you can take snapshots and that's what it had done was it didn't actually delete any of it and it didn't move any of it where I didn't want it to be it was still there and available but I just kind of freaked out there for a little bit because I couldn't find it <laughs> and I was able to pull it back up, thankfully. So yeah, Scrivener is just, it's this the best writing software that you can get. I love using it, and I think you're going to like it too. Stay tuned for the commercial for them. That's going to be coming up here in just a moment. And uh, make sure you also check out that coupon code to save yourself 20%. Another one of our longtime sponsors, the one who's been with us since the beginning, Ustoreall. They are the number one self-storage facility in Warrensburg, Missouri. If you've got a move coming up and you are needing to store your, your household items for any length of time, check them out. Go to ustoreall.net. That is the letter U-S-T-O-R-A-L-L.net. And you can check out the things they have to offer. they got some great pictures up there. Call them. And one of the people that work there will be happy to talk to you. They will listen to you. You know, do you have a lot of items that you're trying to store? We want to help you find the right size to best fit your needs. And uh, you know, listening to the manager Mike talk to a customer like that, and and just kind of really wanting to help, you know, best fit instead of like, oh no, you need the biggest unit you you can get. You want all this space? Nah, he was trying to find something, and even sold them on a, a smaller unit 
So I was really impressed with that, though. Those those guys up there are really great. Check them out online at ustoreall.net, and they're going to help you out. And, of course, my friends over at popgoestheculture.com. Uh, great, great shows. I'm really enjoying hearing the flagship show, Pop Goes the Culture podcast, is back on the air for season two. Uh, that show, and, of course, I never miss an episode of the Alamo Backlot and uh, they gave me a nice little shout out last week because I had uh, responded to some of the things that they were talking about on their show. So, you know, that and then so many other great shows. And I, there's a couple of others that I listen to every week. Go on over to popgoestheculture.com and check it out for yourself. I mean, you're going you're gonna to find some shows that you like, I promise. So, yeah, like this week's author, C.D. Berenger, he is a crime thriller author who's going to be talking to us about his first novel, Palm Beach Blues. It's a Logan Trevorrow book. Uh, it's going to be part of a series. This is the one that kicks off. Just came out in July, and it's already doing really, really well. I'm really happy for him. I've got a copy of the book, and I just started it the other night. I uh, opened it up and read the first like three chapters. It's it's hilarious. It's riveting. It's really good stuff, and you got to check it out. Lots of laugh-out-loud moments, quirky characters, and... Just during the interview itself, uh, CD and I talk about, you know, we, well, we talk about things like living in Florida, creating relatable characters, and uh, how much he likes to do a uh, rip from the headlines kind of thing uh, that he uses within his stories. So it's it's a lot of great things, and and like I said, I'm already st- I'm start just started reading Palm Beach Blues. I can't wait to get to the chapter where I'm going to find out what Hemingway's favorite daiquiri drink is and get those instructions. I got I to gotta try this drink. It's really cool. Stay tuned for the chapter reading and you're going to know what I'm talking about. That is coming up right after a word from our sponsor. Jason here. Hey, I wanted to take a moment and tell you about my favorite writing tool, Scribner. Now, I know you've heard about Scribner because their writing software has been embraced by hundreds of thousands of other writers like you and I, from the novice to best-selling novelists. The reason we all use it is because of Scribner's core concept to bring all the writing tools you use together in a single application. And with tools like automatic backup, character maps, project goals, and let's not forget that amazing corkboard, you can see why I use Scribner every day. As a bonus for Sample Chapter Podcast listeners, use code CHAPTER for 20% off your desktop version. Scrivener Writing Software, built by writers for writers. Hello everybody, welcome to another episode of the Sample Chapter Podcast. This week we're going to be diving down to Florida, and uh, I'm glad that he's still around, glad that that hurricane didn't blow him away that came through a few weeks ago. Uh, this week we're talking with author C.D. Berenger. Christian, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. It's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. I'm so happy that uh, you know that uh, you know, we were talking before the show about the storms, and I'm glad that it turned out to be no big deal. Hopefully, the ones coming in behind, you know, that they're also uh, no big deal for you. Um, thanks, and and I appreciate it. We we dodged a bullet. Um, for your listeners, I would definitely encourage them if you haven't taken a look over in the Bahamas, if you haven't made um, some kind of effort to help out the folks in the Bahamas, please do so. They uh, they got absolutely walloped, and mm-hmm. um, it's going to be a while before they they uh, recover. And 
you know, one of the things we're really aware of living where we live, and I live in Palm Beach, um, you know, it's 40 miles from, from the Bahamas. It's 40 miles from, from the big island there. And they really, really took a toll. So um, if your listeners are feeling charitable and feeling like helping out uh, some people that are incredibly close to the United States, um, you know, do, do what you can for, for the citizens of the Bahamas. They really got walloped. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, my gosh, that's, that's wild. I mean, that's kind of like the, the tornadoes here where here in Missouri, where they'll swing through a neighborhood and they'll just wipe out, you know, everything, but then leave one house. So I, I didn't, yeah. I don't think I realized how close Palm beach was to the Bahamas. Yeah. It's, it's, um, you know, it's, it's a long, miserable boat ride or an instant plane flight. Um, it's really close. Um, and, um, you know, we feel like they're neighbors and, and, you know, I know lots of Bahamians, so there's lots of Bahamians in, in Palm Beach County. Um, and so it, it feels really close to home for, for us, um, here in Palm Beach. Oh my goodness. Well, uh, let us, uh, let us know a little bit about yourself. Uh, like what, what do you do? You know, my, my day job, I, I've done a lot of things. My day job right now, uh, not right now, my day job for the last 20 years is, um, I own an advertising agency, I'm like a branding and creative firm, and I'm the creative director. And myself and, and a partner have, have been running it for the last 20-something years. So, you know, I've been writing for a living for a really long time. Um, and we've done, you know, everything from um, retail and, you know, something I've written has shown up on the Wall Street Journal or on TV. You know, it, it's funny. You think as an author, you, you, you try to get an audience, you try to get people to listen to you. But if you write commercials or you, you know, you write print ads or you write billboards, you know, millions of people have, have read the stuff that I've written over the years. Um, and, you know, it was just that as I made that, that transition to go, well, you know, something, I'm going to write something instead of it being 50 words long, it's going to be, you know, 50,000 words long or a hundred thousand words long. Um, it's been a really interesting, um, um, challenge and a real change of, uh, of pace to, to kind of write something, you know, in a different form. Um, and, and, and instead of focusing on trying to see how short you can make it, um, you know, you kind of get a chance to, to kind of let it go a little bit and explore what you want to do. So it's been a really interesting transition. I live down here in Palm Beach County with, uh, with my wife and my daughter and a bunch of animals and, and a boat and on the water. And, you know, we try to spend as much time as we can out on the water and outside and doing something that's mostly nautical and, you know, and fun and, and living the way, you know, I think you should live in Florida, man. You know, if you live in Florida, you should spend a whole bunch of time on the water. You should be fishing or surfing or paddleboarding or, you know, trying not to drown or something. Uh, and that's, that's what we spend a lot of our time doing. Got the, got the permanent tan and the bleached hair, right? Uh, we hope so. Yeah. Yeah. We, I'm getting a little long in tooth for, uh, you know, looking like a surf bum, but, uh, but it's a nice life and it's, and it's a lovely place to surprisingly, a lot of people don't think this, but it, it's a surprisingly nice place to raise human beings and, and create and, and raise nice human beings. There's a lot of wonderful people here. Now it's also an incredibly weird state with a lot of weird stuff, but it's a nice place to live. It's a nice place to raise family. Well, you know, the good thing about being around the weird is that that will feed any, uh, you know, all of your books. Yeah, it, it's a constant, you know, that rip from the headlines here is like rip from the local, you know, it's rip from the local <laughs> section. Um, yeah, so so weird is sort of, 
you know, there's a there's a level where weird becomes white noise, and I think it, for most Floridians, like weird is kind of white noise. You're just, you just get used to it, um, and then you know, you see something, you know, in the paper, you go, yeah, well, all right, well, that happened two weeks ago, and then it'll show up in the national press, and everybody will freak out over it, and you're like, that's not that weird, you know. We have a lot weirder than that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I know with a lot of a lot of authors myself included has this has writing something fiction has that been like a bug that's always been there an itch you wanted to scratch and you just kind of had to put it off for for years you know it's you got the job thing to do you got the family thing to do so has that been something that's always been there or has it just kind of recently come up um I, you know i think i've always been a storyteller i i know that like one of the things that you know in real life one of the things that that sort of becomes apparent when you um, as you go through life is, you know, one of the interesting, you know, you can tell people something or you can give somebody information or you can try to sell them something or you can explain something to them or you're in college and you can listen to a lecture. But all of those things are way more interesting if somebody puts it in a narrative, you know, and, and tells a story. And stories are just such an engaging thing. And, you know, I, I've been a huge reader my whole life. I'm a, I'm a total moody uh, movie addict. Um, and, you know, I kind of found that as I got older, you know, a lot, the way I spoke to people, a lot of the way I communicated was always storytelling and, and I fell in love with storytelling. And it, there was a point where, you know, as, as a person who sits down in front of a computer and writes every day, there was, there was a desire to, you know, see how far you could stretch it out. And instead of tell a story that takes, you know, five minutes and makes a bunch of people laugh, you know, can you tell a story that takes people eight hours to read and makes them laugh? Uh, and can you string enough things together to make it interesting and, and create a narrative that engages people? And, it, and I guess even more important, that create characters that readers, you know, can invest in and and find, you know, funny or engaging or somebody that they care about. And so it just became something that that I started kind of working on, I don't know, six or seven years ago and started building up a backlog of, of stuff that I stories I had to tell things that I kind of thought through and, and, and ideas that I had, and, you know, they kind of piled up and there was just a point where you kind of said, all right, let's do this one first. Let's do this one second. Let's do this one third. Um, and that's kind of how it, it, it sort of happened. There's a, a lot of connective tissue between the stuff that I write. The book that we're talking about tonight is, is actually the first in a series uh, of stories with a main character. That's going to be, you know, the main character through a bunch of different stories, but that idea of, of storytelling, I think, was the thing that, that drew me to it more than anything. That and then I just I love prose. I love really good writing. Um, and so part of my personal challenge and as somebody who writes for a living, you know, that that idea of writing where somebody can just read a sentence and get pleasure out of the structure of the sentence and the way it sounds and the way it reads. Um, I always loved finding those things in books, you know. Where you would, you know, read David Foster Wallace and you didn't even know what he was talking about, but it just sounded so cool the way he wrote it. Um, and so there was that part of it too that was even above and beyond maybe the storytelling, which is just the pleasure of reading really good prose, really well delivered. And mm-hmm. so those, those are the things that I think about when I, when I, you know, sit down in front of the computer and, and, and think about, you know, what I'm going to write that day and how I'm going to add it. It's, it's, is the story engaging? Are these characters really cool? And is the prose in and of itself just something that you like reading? Um, and those are the things I think that, that kind of drive me. They drove, they drove me in my advertising career, but I think they drive me 
um, in my fiction career as well. Yeah. Long answer, short story. Or long answer, short question. Sorry. <laughs> That's all right. My wife accuses me of the same thing. She'll she'll ask me a question, and then half an hour later, I'm like, and and there you go. That's what it is. And she's like, what does that have to do with why you didn't make the bed this morning? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, see, the thing is, what you've really got to think about when you're talking about making a bed, it really starts before that. <laughs> exactly, yes. There's a whole series of things you've got to consider. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah I'm, I'm definitely guilty of that, for sure. <laughs> well, and of course, the book we're talking about is Palm Beach Blues, a Logan Trevorrow, is this, are you calling this the series or just a Logan Trevorrow um, chronicle? Yeah, it's a series. I'm, I'm going to probably, if everything, if everything works out the way it should, you know, right around Christmas, somewhere between Thanksgiving and Christmas, uh, the second installment in this series will, will, uh, will become available and get dropped. And, and hopefully that's, you know, the first and second in, um, what'll be a nice long run as long as Logan can keep his ass out of trouble and not get himself killed. <laughs> well, hopefully he gets a little bit of trouble to make it interesting. He spends a lot of time in trouble. <laughs> now this is, this is a, a very interesting character because he's a former Navy SEAL, correct? Yeah. Yeah. And, and then went into housing and he, he likes, uh, from what I understand, he likes the pyramid schemes. Well, he's actually a victim of it. And, Ah. I think I, th I think I think the weird thing about him is um, I, th I think the two parts about him is he he's what he was was he was a, he was a, a a kid that that was really smart and a decent artist and he went to Princeton and 2011 came along and he just kind of ditched everything and and uh, and enlisted in the Navy managed to get himself uh, into the, the SEALs and did his duty did his service and was injured in a diving accident off the coast of Washington and was bounced out of the Navy. And so he was a 31, 32-year-old guy who his entire life had been kind of carved around doing this thing, and suddenly this thing wasn't available for him. Mm. And so he was kind of this fish out of water. He had this, this really great wife, um, and he looked up, and, and suddenly his marriage is starting to fall apart. He doesn't know what he's going to do with his life. He is a he is unfortunately for him uh, incredibly loaded. He's like he's rich. He comes from a really rich family. He's kind of the black sheep of a of a rich family, um, but he's just a fish out of water. He doesn't know what he's going to do. And when he comes back after being kind of bounced out of the navy for an accident, um, his wife um, she's the victim of identity theft, and she calls him, and they're separated at the time. And she basically says, you know, I'm going to lose my house. Um, I have no idea what this is about, but I just got this notice that, you know, I haven't paid my mortgage and they're going to foreclose on my house. And suddenly he has some kind of sense of purpose. Now, he 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 wants to get his wife back. But what he wants to do right now is he wants to save um, his wife's house. He wants to he wants to protect her. And so for the first time in a long time, he's got this sense of care. He's got this sense of purpose. Um, but it's a sense of purpose from a guy who's also, you know, a military veteran and a trained, you know, special forces guy. Um, so he has a lot of things to kind of bring to the table. He's a little, you know, he's pretty self-facing kind of figures, you know, kind of considers himself more or less, you know, kind of an idiot who knows that it would be really easy for him to skate through life. And the last thing that he wants to do is actually skate through life. So 
his wife's problem gives him a purpose and it's his job and that's his goal in the book is to track down, you know, who's screwing his wife over. And once he starts looking into that, um, a whole other world of really, really, you know, inane and stupid and Florida man kind of, you know, black comedy things kind of <laughs> get dragged to the front. And he's kind of simultaneously like this guy who's seeing it all going on and commenting on it. But at the same time, he's also really invested in it and he's got to fix it. Oh, my goodness. Well, from what I've read with the uh, the comments and then looking, you know, opening up a couple of pages, it, there's, there's a lot of laugh out loud moments. Hopefully. I think so. <laughs> and the uh, the characters that you've come up with uh, from the, the mobsters and, of course, uh, Logan himself, where does this where does this come from? Is this just uh, experiences you've had or, or do you uh, kind of dream up some of it? Well, if you live in South Florida, I mean, you've met a dirtbag. You actually, you've, probably, you've met a lot of dirtbags. You know, I mean, it's just, it's part of it. Um, and, and so, you know, that kind of, that kind of constant exposure to guys and, and not just guys, but, you know, everybody that's, you know, Florida's just one of those, South Florida is one of those places that there's just a lot of people looking for an angle. Um, and so, you know, one of the things in being a business owner, being in the business environment and stuff like that, I've seen a lot of this stuff. And again, it's no huge secret. I think, I, I think the key to making really fun fiction about Florida is to take that kind of everyday sort of dirtbag and then you kind of amplify them and screw their features up in a way that they become, um, you know, almost absurd. And in South Florida, that kind of stuff doesn't really feel out of place. You know, it kind of makes sense. You just see a lot of weird stuff down here. <laughs> so, you know, the, the, the idea is to take, you know, how many absurd characters can you take them, stick them in a whirlpool, let them all interact with each other, and what are they going to do to each other, and what kind of, you know, mischief are they going to create, and how screwed up is it going to be um, after you give them all, you know, six months of, of, of running around against each other. And then, you know, the idea is to, to kind of look at that whole train wreck and then deconstruct it, and hopefully that ends up being funny. Oh my gosh! Well, just uh, looking at the uh, the cover here with the uh, the description, the ex Spetsnaz uh, assassin who dreams yeah. of owning a boutique hotel, mob fixer with a midlife crisis, a budding artist yeah. with a skin condition. Oh my gosh! This is I love this because it's, you, you've taken each one of those an extra step and given them something personal for the reader to kind of you know I'm like oh yeah you know I can relate to that yeah I, I think what I, I worked really hard on and I think what's always really important when you're writing fiction is not to write you know a character but to you know flesh them out give them something that makes them you know completely unique it's not completely crazy to think that you can have you know a guy who's an ex spetsnet special operations guy from the GRU in Russia who has a lot of sensitivity and really loves Pachelbel's canon and loves classical music and likes, you know, renovating homes and moves to Florida and wants to open a boutique hotel while at the same time his day job is to, you know, like beat the living hell out of bikers who are, you know, making, you know, uh, creating problems in his strip club. You know, that's that guy, right? right. Um, so you know, he's beating a biker half to death, but what he's really thinking about is, you know, what color should the, uh, you know, the banquettes in the dining room be in my hotel while he's beating a guy within an inch of his line? 
You know. Oh my gosh, that is wonderful. <laughs> and and so you, if you take enough of those guys, you know, if you take, you know, a guy who is, you know, a really scary mobster, but he's not really a scary mobster. He's a 55 year old guy who has figured out he's not going to get any further than he's ever going to get. And, and he's never going to be the boss and he can't really retire and he's got to do this. And he's got this job that he's not really satisfied in. And he spends all his time watching CNBC and he spends all his time getting jealous over, you know, 30 year old guys who run hedge funds. And he's just having a classic midlife crisis, but it's not like an accountant having a midlife crisis. It's like, you know, a mafia captain that kills people for a living, but he's having a midlife crisis. Um, and he's got to go down and bail out some stupid kid that he didn't want to, you know, bail out in the first place. You know, that's an interesting guy to kind of get in his head. Mm-hmm. And if you take that guy and you smash that guy next to a Spetsnaz guy that wants to open a boutique hotel, you give him a common problem that they've got to solve. Well, there's probably something really funny that's going to come out of that. <laughs> and, and that was kind of the idea of the book. Oh, my gosh, that's wonderful. And this is just book one, Palm Beach Blues. Uh, yeah. Which just came out in July. It's available uh, on Amazon, and and it's on uh, Kindle Unlimited, so people can try it out. You know, if you're a Kindle Unlimited subscriber, you can try it out free. And then just make sure you leave a review, though, people. Come on, don't forget to leave a review. Yeah, it's it, it's interesting because I'm getting, I'm getting you know, two 3,000 page reads a day. I'm getting a lot of readers. Um, and I would love to, and, and, and my sense is people are liking reading the book. Um, and I'm getting great reviews from the reviews that I'm getting, but I would love more reviews. I really want to get feedback for Absolutely. sure. Absolutely. And as it, I love that it, it just came out in July and you've already got book two is going to be coming out here in the next couple months then, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And, and hopefully that one's, uh, it's not weirder, but it's, it's, um, you know, as I look back, as I look at Palm Beach Blues, it's kind of like that. I don't know what the origin story of Batman is or the Avengers, but but book one, Palm Beach Blues, is definitely the origin story. I mean, it's it sets up a lot of things that from book two and a lot of and the the ideas that I have for the books going forward. Um, book one sets up and puts in motion a lot of things that are going to be kind of the background and the basis for book two and, and book three and book four point four. Oh my gosh. I, I don't know why, but as you were talking about the characters, I started thinking, imagining this giant cork board in front of your desk with a, you know, your little picture or name of, of Logan right in the middle. And then all these little lines going out to other characters and their little, uh, idiosyncrasies and stuff. And I'm just picturing like, Oh, nope, this goes to book four. And this guy's yeah. gonna show up over here. So <laughs> yeah, you're, you're pretty you're pretty close. It's not a dartboard; it's a spreadsheet. Um, I actually have them on a spreadsheet, and they all have little colors. Uh, and you kind of like <laughs> nice. yeah. So you're like, oh yeah, I need more blue. That the blue dude, he's got to be in this one. So yeah, I, I actually I actually kind of map it out with with colors on a spreadsheet. Oh my! That's God. funny. You got it's funny you imagine that. <laughs> Oh my gosh! And I'm just imagining too, with uh, with your day job or just going down to the grocery store, somebody who's doing something outrageous. You're like, oh yeah, you are. Let me jot that down, put that in my phone. You're in the book. Yeah, this is it. it Florida makes it easy. <laughs> where can uh, where can people find and follow you? Um, my website is cdbarringer.com. There is a little button they can click on if they want, and I'm getting really good response on this. 
where if you click on that, I'll send you an email and give you updates on what's happening and maybe send you some snippets out uh, of stuff that I'm working on. Uh, and hopefully down the road, maybe we send some coupons out and some stuff like that where you can save some dough on uh, Amazon or wherever the books are being retailed so that I can get a, a special deal for uh, like my insider friends and early readers. That's, that's really what I want to do. I want to build a community there. So hopefully the, the website will keep growing. Uh, I'm kind of debating on whether to do a Facebook page being an advertising. Um, I deal a lot with Facebook all day, every day and, and all of that kind of stuff. So I haven't totally decided whether I'm going to put a Facebook page up, but I probably will. Uh, but right now I'm sticking with, uh, with, uh, the website that I've got out there. I've got an author's page on Amazon that you can go and learn a little bit more about, you know, what I'm thinking about and what we're doing. And hopefully if I do my job right, the number of books keeps growing in the, uh, the CD Behringer library keeps growing. That's that's ultimately, you know, I think what my what my job is on this thing. Absolutely, yes. Make more books. Yes, yes, and it would be wonderful to find like a year from now you got Logan Trevorrow book five, and uh, I don't know, do you have plans on a, a different series or a different type book? Yeah, I, I I have another series that I'm doing sort of independently that are not. Um, series books are not sequential and so I'm doing those as well so like every night just trying to figure out you know what I'm writing on and, and what I'm worrying about and staying awake and staring at the ceiling about trying to figure out what the next step is so I've kind of got two or three into or two or three distinct projects going on at the same time and those are probably at least a year out I think right now um, I've really dug what happened with Logan Trevorrow and I'm really digging what I'm hearing from people who like it. And that is right now motivating me to keep going back and finding ways to make his life miserable and make his life complicated and keep writing more stuff for him. Outstanding. Well, it sounds like yeah. people need to get on over to the website, which I'm going to have a link in the show notes to make it easy for you. So you can just click that link, but it sounds like everybody needs to get over there and sign up for that, uh, that newsletter. So that way you'll be notified whenever there's something going on, either with Trevor O or, uh, or any other books. Thanks, man. Yeah, I, I appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, make, uh, for all your listeners, yeah, make a point, stop by and, and see what's, uh, that's the first place you're going to find out what's new. Outstanding. All right. Well, Christian, thank you so much for being on the show. I can't wait. I know, I know I'm in for a treat. I'm going to try as, as best as I can to sit here quietly and not laugh too much, but, uh, no promises, buddy. All right, we'll, we'll, we'll give it a shot. Um, <laughs> so you got to give you, I'll give you a little bit of background on, on what I'm going to share with you. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because I'm actually sharing chapter 46. I'm reading this. I'm like, wow, 46. Um, and a little insight. I write really short chapters. So for chapter 46 doesn't mean it's a thousand page book. I mean, these are like four or five page chapters. So one of the things that happens in the book is, I mentioned earlier that, that Logan is trying to figure out why his wife's home is being foreclosed on her. So it turns out that there are these two dirtbag guys that are running this Ponzi scheme out of a, uh, a title office. You know, when you buy a house, you got a, you know, a title attorney does all your paperwork and stuff like that. So there's this crooked title office and kind of what is happening at the point where I'm going to read this chapter is one of the guys who's, a lawyer, Ted Hodges, Esquire, he's an attorney. Um, he knows everything is falling apart and that the gig is up, that the Ponzi scheme's over, 
that law enforcement is is right around the corner, that a bunch of people that he owes money to, including the Russian mafia, including the Italian mafia, they're right around the corner, and he ain't going to make it. He, he, he knows his, his time is limited. And in kind of grand, old, historical South Florida fashion, he decides the best thing he can do is just disappear into the Florida Keys, uh, which is a time-honored thing. You know, if you're... If you're an outlaw, the best thing you can do to get away from everybody is just change your name, dye your hair, get in a car, drive to the Keys, and live on cash. Um, and that kind of becomes his plan. So one night or one morning, you know, he pushes his car out of his driveway in the pouring rain, and he abandons his wife. He empties out a bank account. He was known for wearing a really bad Elvis, like a fat Elvis-era toupee. Uh, he takes his toupee off, so he's bald. And he decides that I'm going to run to the Keys. Nobody will ever find me again. I got enough money to live for a while. It'll be great. All right. So, so that's kind of the idea behind it. And, and his only concern when he's hiding out in the Keys or thinking about hiding out in the Keys is, you know, I'm going to be bald. I wonder how that's going to work. But at the end of the day, he thinks, well, you know, it worked out really well for Jimmy Buffett. So he's a guy kind of filled with optimism. So, by the way, it's my dog barking. So, <laughs> he's a guy filled with optimism, and the chapter opens with he's finally made it to about halfway down the Keys after a mind-numbing, miserable, rain-soaked drive in his Toyota Camry uh, for the last five hours. So, that's kind of your background as we open up. All right. And by I the way, there, there's a language warning on this, by the way, for, for those of you with sensitive ears. No worries, no worries. All right, well, ladies and gentlemen, you've heard about it. Now you're going to hear it. So, C.D. Berenger with Palm Beach Blues. Ted Hodges Esquire ground his Toyota Camry to a halt in the one and only handicapped parking spot adjacent to the Hogs and Honey Sports Bar and Grill in Isla Mirada, a little less than halfway down the Florida Keys island chain. In his defense, he'd been driving for five and a half hours straight in the rain, which had only just let up and his mind and his eyesight were both on the fritz. He hadn't eaten before making his break from the marital domicile at dawn, so his stomach was acting up, and he wanted a cocktail. Not just any cocktail, a daiquiri. Hodges had decided, as part of his new persona, that he needed a signature cocktail, and for the last two hours of his drive, he had been debating on what his new signature cocktail would be. Something refreshing, certainly. But it had to be a drink that also reinforced his island credentials and masculine appeal. While on a stop for gas, he pulled out his new iPhone and Googled Ernest Hemingway's favorite cocktail, which, depending on the source, turned out to be a daiquiri. A few clicks later, Hodges learned that Hemingway's daiquiri differed from the frozen version he was used to, allegedly invented by a legendary Cuban barman named Constantino Rabiglia Verte. Hemingway's daiquiri consisted of four simple but sublime ingredients mixed in a cocktail shaker and served ice cold in a martini glass, straight up. As he drove, Hodges rehearsed the preparation of the structures. He would deliver rapid-fire to some hapless barkeep, his persona a mix of James Bond and George Clooney. As he smiled roguishly at the attractive and unattached patron one stool over. Two shots of Florida Canna extra dry four-year rum a jigger of fresh lime juice, a measure each of grapefruit juice and a maraschino liquor, shaken, not stirred. He couldn't wait to try it out for real. 
Stepping out of the car, he was hit by the heat. The sun had broken through the clouds and the steam was rising off the Hogs and Honeys parking lot. His recently liberated scout hadn't felt UV light since he was in law school. He made a mental note to pick up a tube of high SPF sunblock at the next Walgreens he passed. He covered his pasty pate with his hand and hustled into the bar, noticing a long lineup of Harley-Davidson motorcycles to the left of the entrance. As he entered, it took a few minutes for his eyes to adjust. The decor was classic Florida dive bar. A couple of pool tables fronted the place, a U-shaped bar, dominated the middle of the room. Looking past the bar, Hodges saw that Hogs and Honeys opened out into a little marina with a couple of slips for small boats and a deck with outside seating and a tiki-style bar. Despite it being early lunch hour, the place was crowded. Still worried about burning his scalp, Hodges sidled up to the indoor bar and took the only available stool. To his left sat a large middle-aged man in a t-shirt emblazoned with a charter fishing boat called the Penelope Three. To his right, sat a 20-something blonde in a bikini top and shorts, just as he had imagined. The bartender, a late-30s tatted-up brunette wearing a Harley-Davidson tank top and a pair of Levi's 501s, walked up, slid a menu across the bar, and asked, What can I get you? This was his moment. I'll have a daiquiri. She looked at him, the boredom apparent on her face. Damn it, he thought. I should have just said daiquiri. Without a word, the bartender turned away walked to a frozen concoction machine and pulled a plastic cup from the dispenser. She filled the cup with white slush, grabbed a bottle of Captain Morgan rum from the well, and poured a quick shot over the top. She plucked a line from the garnish bin, walked over to Hodges, and handed him his frozen daiquiri. I'm Marie, she said as she fastened a lime wedge to the side of Hodges' cup. You want to order some food? Hodges wasn't sure what to do. His rollout had suddenly gone sideways. Um... Well, actually, when I, when I said daiquiri, what I meant was, what, strawberry? Marie asked, unsmiling. We only have pina coladas and regular frozen daiquiris for frozen drinks. He could feel the blonde in the bikini top glancing over his way. He was tongue-tied. Um, well, what I meant was a daiquiri that you mix. The bartender grabbed a cocktail straw from behind the bar and, never taking her eyes off of Hodges, stirred his frozen drink. How's that? Mixed enough for you? Hodges heard the blonde next to him laugh. He felt his face flush. Thank you. He managed to croak out. My pleasure. Let me know when you decide what you want to eat. She walked off, her ass swinging languidly in her 501s. Hodges took a morose first sip of his first cocktail on the first day of his new life in the Florida Keys. It was awful. He picked up a menu and began scanning it desultorily for non-seafood items. Hodges hated seafood, which, on top of the daiquiri humiliation, had him wondering if the whole hideout the keys thing wasn't such a great idea after all. He was looking for a hamburger on the menu when someone tapped on his shoulder. You the dickhead driving the Camry? Hodges looked over. Standing between him and the charter boat guy was one of the largest human beings he'd ever seen. He had to be at least six feet, five inches tall and well over 300 pounds. He was wearing a leather vest over a Harley t-shirt that stretched across his massive chest, which Hodges assumed made him some sort of biker. A chain snaked from the belt loop of his jeans to his back pocket. His beard was full and flecked with gray. He wore a hoop in his left ear, and his head was so freshly shaved that Becker thought he could see his reflection in it. Although he had to be at least 50 years old, he had the look of a man who only grew more dangerous with age. His lower lip 
bulged with a dip of tobacco. It took Hodges a second or two to collect his thoughts. His legal training kicked in instinctively, and instead of answering the question, he asked one of his own. And you are? The biker reached across the bar, grabbed Hodges' daiquiri, and spit a long stream of tobacco juice into it. He put it back in front of Hodges and said, I'm the guy that just spit in your drink, douchebag. So, one more time, are you the dickhead driving the Camry? Hodges started to feel a swell of panic. He fought it back and stayed with his training. Be assertive. Stay on the offensive. He said, I'm sorry, but how is the brand of car that I drive relevant? I wasn't aware that it was a crime to drive a Camry. The biker tilted his head slightly and smiled. It wasn't a nice smile. You're right. It's not a crime to drive a Camry. It's unimaginative to drive a Camry, but it's not a crime. Hodges started to say something, but the biker cut him off. It is, however, illegal to park the aforementioned Camry in a handicapped parking spot without a disabled driver permit. Excuse me? Hodges asked. You parked in a handicapped spot, dipshit, the biker said, as he leaned in, bringing his face within inches of Hodges. Hodges was petrified and mesmerized as he watched the huge man adjust the wad of tobacco with his tongue. I can tell you're a fucking lawyer, what with that answering a question with another question bullshit. They teach you that shit the first day of law school? I was a cop for 25 years, fuckface. Marine patrol. I've seen a million of you assholes. By now, everyone within earshot had turned their attention to his little corner of the world. He wanted to crawl under the bar and never come out. Anyway, given your extensive legal training, I'm sure you're familiar with the American with Disabilities Act, which stipulates that establishments such as this provide ample parking for the handicapped patrons. The man paused long enough to deposit another stream of tobacco juice into Hodges' daiquiri. And that patron, as far as this place goes, is Jim Webb, also ex-Marine Patrol and one of my best friends. Gave up a leg in the line of duty, wrecked a cruiser chasing a piece of shit drug mule up on Card Sound Road. The man looked at Hodges. That spot you parked in, that's his spot. Come on, Carl. Maybe it was an honest mistake, the guy in the charter boat t-shirt said. Are you kidding me, Tommy? Carl, the biker, asked. Since when does a lawyer make an honest mistake? Sensing that he didn't have an alternative, Hodges spoke up. He's, he's right, Carl, if, if I may call you that, he said, holding his hands up in a feeble attempt to forestall Carl from beating him lifeless. It was an honest mistake. If I parked in the wrong space, it was purely an oversight. I've been on the road since about 7 this morning, and I may not have been thinking clearly. What say I go out there and move the car, and I don't know, next round is on me? Carl looked at him incredulously. You want to buy me a fucking daiquiri? Hodges' hands came up again. No, I mean, I mean yes, if that's what you want. I'll, I'll buy you whatever you want to drink or eat. I, I guess I was just trying to. Carl cut him off with a raised hand. He pointed to the door. Pay your tab, counselor, and take your ass out of here and your Camry at a Jimmy Webb spot. In 30 years of legal practice, has never been addressed as counselor. And now, in the span of two days, two different psychopaths, 200 miles apart, had used the phrase. What are the odds, he thought. Hodges fished a crumpled 20 out of his front pocket and dropped it on the bar. Under Carl's menacing stare, he decided it wouldn't be prudent to wait for change. He slid off the stool and hightailed it out of the bar. Drive safely, dickhead, Carl called as Hodges hit the door. Outside, he made a beeline for his car. As he approached, he noticed that someone had used a fat black Sharpie to scrawl dickhead in huge block letters across the driver's side door 
along with a crude arrow pointing to the window. Welcome to the Keys, Mr. Buffett. And that was C.D. Berenger reading a sample chapter from his debut crime thriller novel, Palm Beach Blues. It is available right now. You can click the link in the show notes for his website and for the Amazon page. I'm going to put that in there as well. It is available on Kindle Unlimited, so you can just give it a try. Uh, That's what I'm doing right now, and I'm really enjoying this book. It's a lot of fun, so get a copy of this for yourself. Don't forget to leave a review. Hey, don't forget to also click the links in the show notes for our friends and sponsors. And most importantly, hit that subscribe button so that way next week you don't miss out when we come back with a new author, a new book, and a new sample chapter. Thanks for tuning in, everyone, and have yourself a wonderful week.